0: Take your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15 if you got them. Luke chapter 15, so you can make sure I'm telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. All right, Luke chapter 15. While you're turning, let me mention uh, Wednesday night. The family meets on Wednesday nights here. We're going to crank up Wednesday night meals again. We're going to keep an eye on COVID and see how it goes. We're going to crank up Wednesday night meals again because it's important that we break bread together. The Bible said the early church that they broke bread together with gladness. So we're going to get together and eat Wednesday evenings. Come on out and eat dinner. And then uh, also, if you want to be in the choir, we're cranking the choir back up and we're shooting for 100 people. And uh, I know what you I know why you I know you want to be in the choir, but you're concerned about something. You don't know if you can climb choir mountain or not back there. Well, we're going to move that out. And we're, going to, we're going to put you on risers and make some space for everybody. So we're going to tighten up the Wednesday night services to about 8 o'clock. And then the choir starts at 815 sharp. And be able to practice and be out here so you can get home get to bed. So come eat dinner, service, and then we'll have choir practice and just have a grand time. And uh, <clears throat> I said one time, I don't care whether you can sing good or not. I got corrected afterwards for that. It, I don't care whether you can sing or not. It's more important to me that you look like Jesus is alive. I'd rather have somebody looks like Jesus is alive than somebody can sing great and looks like they just lost their best friend. I just want you to smile up there is what I want you to do. I want you to make a joyful noise. I don't care if it's perfect or not. All right. Besides, they, got, they can always turn your microphone down. We can make adjustments if you've got the right attitude. Glad you're here today. All right. We're going to talk about something today you're going to use. Everybody's going to need. Everybody battles this. If you're not in the middle of it right now, you will be one day. So store this like your pocket knife. Make sure you carry it with you. And uh, we're going to talk today about get over it. I maybe you know some folks need to get over it. Our land is suffering from a serious case of can't get over it. And we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about get over it. And we're going to talk about wallering. Y'all know what wallering is? Yeah. We're wallering too much in this land. And we're going to talk about get over it from the Bible. What the Bible has to say about it. We're going to talk about the prison of the past. We're going to talk about your past. I'm going to cut straight to the chase. (laughs) Satan will turn your past into his prison. Satan will turn your past into his prison and he will lock you in there and you will suffer in the prison of your past. He is good at it. He's had 6,000 years practice. That's why he's so good at it. And Jesus is the one who opens the door. So we're going to talk today about the prison of your past and getting over it. Some things in the past. People struggle with the past. Everybody's got a past. And uh, some are worse than others, but I know everybody's got something and it involves two things. Usually it involves ugly and it involves pain, pain in the past, it's ugly in the past. And then nothing will ruin your future quicker than your past. And the enemy of your soul is a master at destroying your future with your past. I, I, I'm going to say this just right. I have great concern for my nation I fear that we're going to be destroyed. Our future is going to be destroyed by our past. Well, I can't stop the nation, but I can help you because followers of Jesus have no business letting their past dictate their future. And we're going to see that in scripture today. And uh, this is a great picture. All right. Let me tell you where freedom from the past starts. Freedom from, number one, freedom from the past always begins by getting to know the father's heart. If you want to be free from the past, you've got to know the heart of God. It always starts with knowing the heart of God. We're going to look at a passage in the Bible today that reveals the heart of God. The whole Bible reveals the heart of God. But this passage reveals the heart of God, and it's surprising what you see in here. I want you to, I'm going to give you some things today, and I want you to hold on to them, because if you don't need them right now, there will come a day when you do. And maybe you need them for the past, but there may come a time when you, there will come a time when you do. But this is a parable. Now, we're going to look at this called a parable. You understand parables? Jesus said this, I will speak to them in Parables. All right, a parable is a story that has another story in it and you can hear the story but you got to find the story in it. Para, para means two running side by side. Bearable means, bull means story. A story running side by side that has another story in it. We want to look at the story in the story today and this is a parable that Jesus taught, taught and gave to you and I about how to deal with your past. Next week we might deal with how to deal with somebody else's past. We're going to talk about your past today. Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood, unthinkable. A boy comes to his daddy. He's a young man, comes to daddy and he says, uh, and by you're going to see later that he's a very wealthy man. He says to his daddy, I want my inheritance. I want what you were going to give me as an inheritance when you're gone. I want it now. And for some crazy reason... He writes him a check or hands him cash or whatever, but he gives him his whole inheritance. And it was a lot of money because you're going to see later, the man's very wealthy. So he hands him all this money that he would have inherited after his father's dead. All right, verse 13, not many days after, younger son got his stuff together, got his bag, went to a far country and there, watch what he did. He wasted his money or his possessions with prodigal living. So he goes to this place, he takes his father's money and you're going to say he spent every dime of that money on prodigal living. of you ever lived prodigal? I don't know. We don't know what that means. Riotous living, some say. Southern Alamance version said he was raising in hell. Right, so he just raised in hell, having fun. And we read later in the scripture, he spent the money on prostitutes. So he goes somewhere, he's rocking and rolling, and he spends all this money on prostitutes and spends it all. Some high dollar prostitutes. I don't know how much he spent, but it was high dollar. All right. Verse 14, he spent everything. When he'd spent everything, there arose a famine in that land. And now he's, he began to be in want. That means he's hurting, All right? He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He could, times are so tough and no jobs, not like today. So he does finally get a job on a pig farm. He's walking somewhere, sees a science, says help wanted, And the guy's a pig farmer. So he gets a job. He said, I need somebody to feed pigs. Let me show you how bad it was. Verse 16, he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods the pigs ate. Nobody gave him anything. i do mean, maybe he hadn't got paid. I don't know what the deal is. But he, he said, I'd eat the pig food if I could. Well, I don't know why he couldn't. Apparently somebody was watching. And apparently it was against the farm's rules for you to eat the pig food. But you know, when you want, you can't even get pig food. You heard. So this boy's really suffering. Watch what happens to him. And verse 17, when he came to himself, that's a a funny phrase of words in the original language. It means when his mind got straightened out. Got his mind right, as my daddy would say. Got his mind right. He said, watch what he said to himself. How many of my father's hired servants, that tells you his daddy's a rich man, have bread enough to spare? I'm going to die of starvation. He said, my daddy's hired hands are throwing food away every night. And I'm going to die with nothing to eat. So he so says, tell what I'm going to do. <clears throat> Verse 18. I'm going to get up and go back to the farm, to my father. And here's what I'm going to say to him. I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Could I please have a job so I don't starve? See, he gets in his mind. He says, I'm going to die out here. And he, he knows I cannot go back and start over like I, like we were before. I've screwed up too bad. But... My daddy's a good man. Surely he would hire me to keep me from starving. So he, he says, this is what I'll do. He's going to he's, he's try and save his life. So he gets up his muster and he does it. Verse 20, he arose and he started toward home, came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. Now You're talking about maybe a farm road going way away from the farm or something. I don't know what it is. His father saw him and uh, what's these words and felt compassion. I mean, you've, you have seen a picture of this in a Christian bookstore or something. Some farmhouse father's looking and he sees, he sees his son coming in a distance and his heart is tender. His heart is tender a soft toward him. All right. And the father ran and fell on his neck means he hugged him and he kissed him. And so apparently the father's excited. All right. Verse 21, the son said to him, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. So he confessed in, he said, I'm not worthy to be called your son. The father immediately picks up, not on the words, but on what? The attitude. Attitude is everything. Attitude means everything. So he picks up on the attitude. And uh, this is the craziest thing. But the father cuts him off. Verse 22, the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, go get the fatted calf and kill it. Watch these words, let us eat and be merry. Now we don't use the word merry today we use the word glad. And he said, we're, we're going to have a celebration. Actually, he said, we're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. We're going to be glad. And this is the father's response. All right. The dealing with your past begins when you begin to see the heart of the father. Get th- you understand this is not a real story. This is a made up story to teach you something. What does this story made up teach you about the heart of God, the heart of the father, All right, now let's let's put me and you in the prodigal's place. Are you ready? We've done this and we're big for our britches. We know more than our daddy does. So we take off and we're going to do great. We're going to take this money. We're going to rock and roll and we're going to have a better life than we had but the old man down on the farm. And as often goes, our plans don't work out like we thought they would. Everybody in here needs to say amen to that because there's a way that seemeth right to a man but the end result is screw up, death. All right. And you've you got to eat humble pie now. And you've got to go back. All right, what do you him? He did not expect his daddy to be kind to him. You know how I know he didn't? Because he said, I ain't getting back in the house. Maybe I can get a job. He hoped his father's kindness would give him a job. All right, so he goes back. Tell me the two things that boy expected. What do you always expect when you screw up in front of somebody? Anger and a grudge. He expected his daddy to be mad at him. And he expected his daddy to hold it against him. And that's why he was so shocked when uh, his daddy comes running to him and he, and he grabs him. And, he, and let me tell you, instead of anger and a grudge, what are the, the, learn this from Scripture. This is teaching you about your Heavenly Father. What are the three things he got from the Creator of the universe? Compassion instead of anger. He got compassion. And when you get compassion, what do you get? What did the compassion lead to? You're not sleeping in the bunkhouse, acceptance. You're coming back in my house. And then this is the one so many Christians don't know, believers don't know. What does compassion and acceptance always lead to with God? Celebration. This time celebrate. I mean, he was expecting anger and rejection and, and my, I've shot it. And, the, and all of a sudden, next thing he knows, they, they, and they, got, they hired a band. Now, I know they did because they don't said they had music and dancing and they didn't have cell phones back then. Had to have a band, so the the band, the truck backs up. I don't know, you know, the part-time party band or something, back up to the house there, bringing in their equipment, and they're killing calves, and they're decorating, and and the Miller light truck pulls up. I'm sure they did, and (laughs) they're just having a grand time. And And he's just standing there with his mouth open going, I didn't expect this. What's the message? If you got to know God, you'd be shocked at how good he is. A guy in California wrote a book recently called God is Good, more than you think. And th- this is a passage written to teach the forgiveness in the heart of God. And dear ones, forgiveness always begins where? Where's forgiveness always begin? I mean, how, when, do you, when does dealing with past always begin? The way you get over your past is to get to know the heart of God and get to know His nature. All right, I'm gonna give you something. I'm gonna give you two things. Don't you ever lose them for the rest of your life because you're gonna need these and there's gonna be a fight for them. I want you to turn to me to First John chapter one. There are two verses. If you, let me, this is only for people that might make a mistake before they die. <laughs> now, if you're planning on living in sinless perfection, go to sleep. I'll wake you up when I'm done. But if you think you might make a mistake for the rest of your life one time, you're going to need this. Has anybody ever made a mistake? Yes. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to go. Now, I, everybody agreed with that. I'm going, get, I'm going to get real personal and get ugly here. Has anybody ever sinned? Let's learn a great lesson here. That boy came back to his father. He did not say, I have a disease. No. He did not say, I missed it. He did not go in a long rigmarole. He stood up in front of his dad and he said, I have sinned. That's it. That's all they had to do. You know what we call that? Read with me First John chapter 1, verse 9. The whole passage is about, it. we're going to take one verse. And you need to memorize this verse and learn it. The Bible said, if, if we confess our sins... He is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much? All unrighteousness. Now look right here at your preacher. Look at me. He didn't promise you a feeling. He promised you forgiveness. He didn't promise you'd feel anything. He promised you that if you will confess your sins, He will forgive them. How many people have I counseled with and dealt with through the years and they are absolutely in the prison of their past And I'll say to them, why don't you pray and ask God to forgive you? And they'll say, well, I did, but I don't. And when the word feel comes out of their mouth, I know we're in trouble. And I have to take them to the scriptures and I have to teach them. He didn't promise you a feeling. He promised you complete forgiveness and complete cleansing. It's done. Now, let me ask you a question. Will you believe God? Will you believe that when you sin, if you make a mistake, you can get along with him and say... This was wrong, and I'm sorry, and I ask you to forgive me. Will you believe that he'll do what he said he'd do if you'll do what he said to do? Yes. It's one of the greatest battles you ever fight is over your mistakes, your sins, your, the garbage in the past. Now, you see the word confess right there? It's the Greek word homo logo. Homo logo. Homo means same. Logo means word. It means to say what God says. Say the same thing God says about it. If you're ugly to your wife and unkind to your wife, and you say, well, she, she, she shouldn't have said this. That is not agreeing with God. You need to go in front of you. You need to say what I did was wrong. That is not loving my wife like Christ loves the church. And I confess it to you. Listen, you, does it say you need to promise to do better? Don't start that mess. All you need to do is just say to him, I've sinned. And here's my sin. And that's it. And what happens when you do that? It, listen to me. Every single time, what does he do? You are completely forgiven and it's washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Now we need to go a little bit further because this is not enough for some people. Turn back to the book of Hebrews. Here's the second thing I want to give you. Let's look in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. All right, the Bible says this. Hebrews 10, 16. This is another thing you got to hang on to for life. Hebrews 10, 16. This is the covenant I will make with them. Y'all know what a covenant is. It's an agreement or a contract. This is the way God deals with people. This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts, write them in their minds. Listen to verse 17. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Not only will he forgive your sins if you'll confess them, They will never be in his mind ever again. Now I can't explain to you how that the creator of the universe who knows all of time forward and can write it down. I have no idea how it is that in his mind, he can't remember anything I've ever done wrong. I don't know how that works. Let me make an announcement. I don't have to know how it works. I believe it. I believe, he didn't I believe that at this moment in history, I'm clean. I confessed my sins this morning. I'm, I've gotten real good at keeping a short list. You need to, too. And I've confessed my sins. As far as God's concerned, He can't ever remember any mistake I've ever made. According to Scripture. And you need to take those two Scriptures and you need to meld them together and you need to hold on to them. You need to know, when I make a mistake and I sin, I'm going to get forgiveness and God will never bring it up again. Right, how many of you ever made a mistake with somebody? How, let me say it another way. Are you married? All right. How many of you went back and said to your sweetheart, honey, I'm sorry. No wonder you don't get COVID when your sweetheart's gutted. I mean, y'all need to get this mess straightened out. And you ask him to forgive. He says, honey, I'm sorry. And she goes, okay. Okay. You're forgiven. You say, come here, baby. She says, nope. Nope. somebody forgave, but guess what? They didn't listen to me. They didn't forgive. Forgiveness is to erase gone forevermore. Dear ones, you cannot, <clears throat> you go going to live in the prison of your pastor. You know the heart of God and you realize I don't have to carry this stuff no more. You say, well, my mom-in-law remembers it. Hang your mama-in-law. I don't mean to get to the point, but dear ones, we live for an audience of one. His opinion alone writes the ticket. And I, I, didn't, I shouldn't I'll pay for that, I'm sure. All right. So this boy comes back. He did not expect it. This father is smiling at him. Let me ask you a question. And maybe your God smiles. I, I don't know where you learned about God from or what you think he's like. I hope you didn't make the mistake a lot of people make And take the face of your earthly father and put it on the face of God. You might have had a good father. You might not have had a good father. But let me tell you something. Only God is God. And you need to learn about him from right here. And I love this passage. Because in this passage. The God in this passage. The father in this passage. He is excited. And he's smiling. And my past. His past doesn't bother the father one bit. And you need to learn from this passage. All right. Now, number two. Here's a question. What if, what if this son who had been forgiven, accepted and ready to be celebrating, what if he couldn't get over it? The father got over it. What if the boy couldn't get over it? What if he was so racked with guilt and shame that he just had his head down? Let me make an announcement. It is hard to enjoy a party with somebody that's moping. It is hard to celebrate with somebody that's beating themselves up. If this boy could not have gotten over this and uh, worked through it and the regret and the shame, two things would have happened Number one, He'd have robbed the father. I mean, the father's trying to throw a party for this boy and he won't come out of his room because he don't deserve to be there. You know, all beating himself up in the past. And he would have robbed himself of what the father planned for him. If you don't get over your past, you're going to steal something from God and you're going to steal something from you. And you're going to be bound up in this thing. All right, let me paint a picture for you. I got one son, a good kid, never had a problem with him. Let's put him at 16 years old. I don't, I don't know how old, My kids are old, and I don't know how old they are. They're grown. Their mother knows. And, uh, but put him back at 16 years old. And I come home. I come out of the woods one day from a farm. We'll come out there, and, and my truck's gone. I said, my truck's gone. What's going on? I said, well, he's, he's the only one who knew where the keys were. So I go to my drawer. How many of you men got a drawer in the kitchen? It's your drawer, and they better stay out of it. All right. You know, you keep your fold and, and your pistols and stuff in there. And <clears throat> so I pull up my drawer and I see something funny about my bill for look in there. My bank card's gone. I get on the phone. Look, he has drained my bank account. He's gone. My truck's gone. It's just so unlike my son. And he's gone. And I think, what? What's going on? I know he wasn't kidnapped because he's the only one knew where that stuff was. He did. it. And uh, he don't come back for supper. Bedtime, he's not back. His mother's upset now. And then come home all night. Now his mama's crying. I've had people this happen to. And next day, you know, I can't find him anywhere. I've looked everywhere. Finally, I called the sheriff to do a missing persons report. He's gone. He's vanished. Days turn into weeks. Mama's distraught. You know, this is on your mind all the time. But you're standing in faith saying to God, you pray and saying, I know you're looking at him right now. And I believe you to bring him home. And, and nothing, no word. You don't know whether he's dead. You don't, know, you don't know what's happened. You don't know if he's lost his mind. You don't know if he got in with, you don't know what's going on. Two months go by, three months go by and it's just racked your life. Mama won't eat. All of a sudden one day I look out the farmhouse window and I see coming down around the pasture. I see a raggedy old car coming, piece of junk. And it comes down and I go around to the back and see it turn, come all the way around the back and pull up the house there. <clears throat> and I wonder who is this? And so, I, you know, I start out and look and the door, passenger door opens and my son gets out. Looks terrible. He's lost 30 pounds and looks, he's beat up and he's shaggy and, and eyes sunk in pale. Well, you know, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm thanking God. I go running out the door and go out there and grab him and just so grateful, crying. I'm crying, you know, and just so grateful. And he's he just got his head down. The car drives off. I don't know who that was. And I said, son, what? I'm just praising God. You don't know what to say. And um, his head's down. He said, I, I did wrong. And I said, "What? you look terrible. I said, come on in. Do you, do you need to eat? I said, you look so tired. I said, why don't you just go to bed? So he says, just nods. He goes to bed. I call his mom. I say, he's back. And then, you know, don't come home now. He's in the bed. because she teaches. I said, you, you finish teaching. Then come on home. And I'm so excited. Now she's crying. We're both crying on the phone. Let me tell you something. He said, well, he screwed up. How many of you understand that the love of a father for their child is greater than their screw up? <laughs> Multiply that 10,000 times. You know, the heart of God, where their sin abounded, his compassion abounded much more Romans chapter five. And so mama comes home and I said, he's, he's still asleep. I said, we're hugging. I'm still crying. Uh, you know, cowboys don't cry unless they got a reason to I'm still crying. And, and, uh, I said, cook, cook that. Here's his favorite dinner. Cook dinner. The boy, he looks terrible. Don't be shocked when you see him. So she's going to cook his favorite dinner and she gets about ready to go in, and go in his room and I say, hey Doc, get up. I said, your mom's cooked your favorite dinner. We Come on out and eat with us. I don't want to hear. I don't care where you've been. We'll, we'll deal with that. And he just, he says, I can't. I swear you can't. I, I just I said, Daddy, I have screwed up so bad. And I said, son, listen to me. That's all right. I I don't want to hear it. What am I looking for? What am I looking for? Attitude. It's the attitude. I I don't care where you've been. I see the attitude of I'm sorry. And I said, what do you mean? I said, come on out. He said, I just, I can't. After what I've done, I can't come out there. I said, all right, leave him in his room. Go back out there and tell his mama. He can't come out. He's so bothered. So me and her sit down and eat. How many of you know that ain't near as much fun? uh uh-huh, sweetie, if you're watching, I'm not saying it's not fun to be with you. I'm just this for <laughs> illustration's sake. But he didn't throw the damper on my party. Get up the next morning. I said, I know you're too weak to work, but you don't look too weak. Go sit in a fishing boat. Let's go fishing today. He just he looks, he won't raise his head up. So I, I can't. Daddy, after what I did, I'm just going back to my room. I said, I was gonna go on for about three days. And then I'm gonna take him by the shoulders and I'm gonna say, Listen to your daddy. Get over it, boy. You're ruining your life. It's over. Not only that, you're ruining my life and your mama ain't real happy right now. And I made up this saying that goes like this. If mama ain't happy, do you understand how that if you wallow in the past, you're ruining your life and God's heart? I want to make an announcement. There's a time to get over it. They say You don't know what I did. It's not about what you did. It's about how great he is. Somebody should write a song, How Great Thou Art. It's about, it's not about your mistakes. It's about the heart of God. And it just, just, now I'm going to, I'm going to make, I want you to look back me in Luke chapter 15. I got to show you something. All right. We're in Luke 15. Surely you understand that in this passage, the father is the living God and you are the prodigal. You do understand that, don't you? All right. That's why this is written. To teach you how he deals with you when you sin, when you mess up. I want you to see something with me. Luke chapter 15, he comes home. The father kisses him. The son, verse 21 goes in this things about how bad he's been. The father said to his servant, bring out the best robe. All right. Verse 23. I want you to watch these words with me. Verse 23, bring the fatted calf, kill it. Watch this. Let us eat and be merry. Another translation says, let us celebrate and be glad. Let us celebrate and be glad. Now listen to me. When the living God, after you've messed up when the living God says to you, let us celebrate and be glad. Listen to me. What's the only thing you can do and obey him? Friend, the only thing you can do to obey God is get glad and start celebrating this warped craziness of, I don't deserve it. That was never the issue. I made a great mistake. That's never the issue. When God Almighty says celebrate and get glad, the only thing you can do is obey Him. And we need to be a people who says instead of I feel, we need to be able to say, He says, and I'm going to do it. And He's told me to celebrate. Let me ask you a question. Let's push this a little bit further. Would you say this Father's excited? Mildly excited or big time excited? Look right here at your preacher. Is your God excited? Why you think this is written? you. need to serve a God that's excited about you. He said, "Brother, man, this morning I can handle. I know that's why we're taking it slow this morning." Here's the deal. This is the revelation of the living God. He's excited. So I ain't done nothing. That's the whole. Neither had the boy. Hadn't done nothing either. A little couple told. I think I told. A little couple told me a long ago they came, They were so excited. Said we're having a baby. I said, it's your first one, isn't it? Reason you're still excited, you ain't had one yet. Have about four, see if you was excited after this. Of course they're excited. They, you know you know good and well, they're going to poop all over the place and stink your house up and throw up on you and ruin your schedule and cost you money and act like an idiot when they get grown. You know all that coming. You don't care, you're still excited. The love of God is reflected in the love of a parent's heart. It's just a very small picture. And when the Father says you got to celebrate, you got to celebrate. Let, let, me, let me point something out. Jesus has opened your prison door. The prison you'll pass, the door is open. You the only one can decide to walk out. He's not gonna drag you out. The door's been open, all you gotta do is walk out of it. Now I want to show you something great about this young man. Well, let's let's look. Let's look again. Verse 23 said, Let us eat and be merry. Verse 24, My son was dead, he's alive again, he's lost his family. Watch these words. They began to be merry. Who's the they? One of them is the Father. Who's the other they that got excited and started celebrating? Tell me. This boy had the unique ability to forgive himself. He had the ability to forgive himself and get over it and go on. How many people struggle to forgive themselves? Then ones that, I, know, I know people, they can forgive anybody else, but they can't forgive themselves. One of the reasons that people can't forgive other people and they're so bitter toward other people, they can't forgive themselves. But can I point out to you the greatest two commandments given? Number one, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart. What's the second one? You will love your neighbor as you love yourself. Then once you got to forgive yourself or you can forgive your neighbor. You got to choose to forgive yourself. And one of the the, the the past is destroying the future. Let me give you something else you're going to need. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. In case you plan planning on having a good future, you're going to need this. Philippians 3. This is this uh the great thing about this boy was that when the father said it's done, now let's start celebrating, he had the ability to do it. He didn't waller in the past, he didn't get beat up over it. He just said well, that's what he says. I'm going to do it. All right. Now, Philippians 3, I don't know if you knew this or not. It's talking about having the greatest life possible. All right. Everybody, there's all kinds of lives we can have. Anybody here got a future coming up? Now, some of yours, you got more than I do because I'm, uh, I'm in the four. I'm what they call the fourth quarter. Somebody asked me, how do you like middle age? I said, how many 125-year-old people do you know? I'm not middle age. I'm in the fourth quarter. And I'm, I'm thrilled because if I live, it's great. And if I go on, it gets even greater. Doesn't bother me a bit which way we go is fine by me. All right. Now the scripture teaches here clearly that life is up to you. The father's already decided you're going to have a great life. It's up to you to grab it. And you can have a pathetic life. You can have a slightly above pathetic life. You can have a get by life. You can have a pretty good life or you can have the life Jesus died to give you. And this passage is where it talks about having the best life possible that he will give you. But I want you to watch the key to it. Philippians 3.13 says this. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, watch these words, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. Now, we're not all Bible scholars, but you look at that verse and you tell me, what do you have to do to lay hold of the great things that are out in front of you? What does it say? Forgetting the things that are behind you. You'll never be able to find what you're looking for until you learn to forget what's behind you. And the scripture teaches this, to forget what's behind you. I think one of the greatest struggles of our lives is to forget the past. Now, I got some good things in my past. I got some bad, but I am not going to let the past cripple me. All right, I had a great... I'm sitting in the movie theater years ago and the Spirit of God spoke to me watching the Gumball Rally. Does anybody remember? Well, y'all ain't old enough to watch that. Gumball Rally, all right? <clears throat> all these cars are going to race across America for a dinky gumball, so it's pretty goofy anyway. And uh, the little Frenchman's going to drive a little sports car and he's got somebody riding with him who's never raced before. So they sat down in the car and the guy says to the driver, the Frenchman said, well, what's the first thing we do? And he reached up and he broke the mirror off and threw it out the window. He said, if you're going to win, the first thing you got to do is throw the mirror out the window. And he said this, you can never go forward looking backward. I stand up in the theater and go, praise God. How somebody gets it around here. (laughs) Dear ones, you cannot go forward looking backward. Satan's primary work in our nation right now is to keep us from going forward because we're so busy looking backwards. I can't help the nation, but I can help you. Throw the rearview mirror out the window. Put it under the blood of Jesus and be done with it. And the Bible is very clear that to lay hold of the things that are out there, you got to forget the things that are back there. Now, you may not be able to erase your memory bank, but you can make a decision. I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. and It's not going to affect me anymore done with it. Put his blood over the thing. Alright, now let's ask one more question before we leave today. Why do people wallow in the past? Why are people wallowing in the past? Alright, that's in here too. There's a reason they wallow in the past. Anybody remember an old country song says, I hear voices? How many of y'all hear voices in here? Let's look at them. Turn back Luke chapter 15. Let me show you the voices. The voices that want to drag you back to the past. Alright, we've already established from Scripture that the Heavenly Father does not remember your past and He is excited about you. But, we're not done yet. Somebody remembers the past, don't they? Somebody got a record of it. Luke chapter 15. I just think it'd be great if the story didn't hear, but it doesn't. It's got a little more in here and you'd be surprised what your Heavenly Father will teach you through the rest of this story. Let's celebrate big time. And they're just having a party and they are merry and they're glad. All right, verse 25. His older son, the older brother, was in the field. He came and drew near the house. He heard music and dancing. I told you they had a band. Why, what's with this older brother stuff? This is a great story. This is between me and God. I'm forgiven. Why would the older brother have to come in here? Because your heavenly father knew this was going to happen to you. And this is one of the greatest truths you'll ever see to help you. The older brother comes. How many of you ever grew up with the perfect child and you weren't them? It was somebody else. Well, here he is. And uh, verse 26, so he calls one of the servants and said, why is there a party during the middle of the day? And uh, verse 27, he said to him, your brother's come. And because he got him back safe and sound, your father killed the fatted calf, hired the band, having a celebration. All right, uh, just stop right there been gone all this time. Surely his brother's excited. Surely he's thankful that he's back home. You'd be surprised at the people that don't see things the way God does. Verse 28. He was angry. My goodness, what's he mad about? He's angry. Now watch this. You talk about a big boy britches and would not go in the house. I'm not going in there. Oh, he's pouting now, isn't he? got his drawers in a wad because somebody's being good over there. So he's angry. He's mad. Can I ask you a question? What's he mad at? Listen to me. He's not mad at his brother. You're going to see me. He's not mad at the brother. He's mad at the father. You should, you'd be surprised at the religious people that are mad at God because he's so good to people that don't deserve it. Let him be. I'm going to keep my ear toward what the father's saying. And by the way, you know who this elder brother is? It's preacher. If you go back and read the whole story, starting in Luke chapter 15, verse one, Jesus is eating dinner at Hooters one day or something like that. I, I know it wasn't a Hooters because Hooters wasn't franchised till I was young. <laughs> but it says that Jesus was eating with, sitting around eating with notorious sinful people. Verse two says the preachers saw it and they got mad about it. And they said, If you're God, why are you hanging around such sinful people? Verse three. So he spoke this story to them. This story is being told to preachers who are mad about how good God is to people that don't deserve it. And the elder brother, guess who? And Jesus is making this story up. Guess who the elder brother is? I'm talking about y'all. And this is a picture of preachers or religious people. It's actually a picture of a spirit of religion. And that evil spirit of religion it beats people up. Now, don't you to look at what he said? He was angry. Verse twenty-eight. Wouldn't go in, so the father came out and pleaded with him. He answered and said to his father, "For many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment. I told you he's religious. What are religious people always pride themselves on? How long they've been serving good God and how good they are. Don't break the commandments. Well, stick a feather in your cap and go take a nap, doc. All right." You never gave me a goat. Watch verse 30. See if you've ever had this happen to you. Verse 30. This son of yours who devoured your livelihood with harlots. The father had already forgotten that. I'd already been forgiven. Why is he bringing it up again? Listen to me. Satan will get in your head or he'll get in somebody's mouth and he'll bring up what you did in the past. To beat you. What's it called in the Bible? Condemnation. Condemnation and accusation. My father, I've confessed my sins. My father's forgiven me, he's forgotten it, but there's always gonna be these voices keep bringing it back up to you. And it can come directly into your head. How many of you just had mess come in your head before and it brought shame to you? That was not the father. That's hell's hounds aggravating you. Or somebody else brings it up. I had to go back to Charlotte a few months ago, to preach to my father's I grew up in Charlotte and I terrorized Charlotte when I was a young man. I left when I was 18. And I've been going 40 some years from Charlotte and everybody I run into from back there, they go, don't, do you remember? And I think, yeah, (laughs) glad I had forgotten. Glad you remembered it though. (laughs) 40 some years of helping people and doing right. All they can remember is the night I burned the saloon down. My God have mercy. It's time to get over it, Bubba. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, your enemy loves to bring your past up. I, st- I used to say he's got a VCR of it. Too late for that. He's got it on a thumb drive now. And he loves to play it back. And he'll either play it directly into your head or he'll bring it through the mouth of somebody like he did this boy. Bring your past up back there. Now, you know, the boy's listening. And this garbage of it, this is what yada, 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 all that stuff. Now, uh, dear ones, listen to me. Your enemy will wage war over forgiveness with you. You're going to have to make a decision. you going to listen to the voice of God or are you going to listen to the voice of your accuser? Jesus intercedes for people. Satan accuses people. Alright, let me go ahead and throw this out here. You ready? You are never more like God than when you forgive people, forget what they did, and celebrate with them and love them. You know what's coming. I think that's why you're holding back on the amen. You are never more like God when you forgive people quickly. Matter of fact, they don't even have to ask. And you forget what they did. They said, Brother Bynum, I just can't forget. All right, listen to me. I didn't mean you can erase the memory banks. I mean, you choose to forget it, never bring it up again. You, you act like God and you say, your sins and your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. And listen to me, that's not enough. That's not enough. You hug them and you celebrate with them. Now, I know a lot of folks they got their arms folded. And that's why I've forgiven them. I've forgiven them. And I want to say, you are lying, you're lying, dog. Ha, you have not forgiven them until you get back to where you were. Ladies, m- wives, you have not forgiven him until you're kissing him right on the mouth. I didn't get one amen out of that. Boys, I'm trying to help y'all. Our Father is all about rest- His heart is restoration. You're never more like Him than when you forgive. Quickly, forget it, and go back to celebrating. You know, I'm going to flip it. You are never more like Satan than when you remember their sins. Bring them up and beat them with them. Just thought I'd throw that in. All righty. In Romans chapter 8, Jesus is calling, Jesus is called the intercessor of the brethren. Who is he who accuses? Not Christ. Christ is seated at the right hand of God praying for us. Revelation chapter 12, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren who accuses them day and night before God. Let's settle which voice that is in our heads talking trash about us. Don't let him steal it from you. All right, I got one more thing to say here. I don't know what that means, but I got one more thing to say here. Question is, who's going to have the final word? who's got the final word in your life? All right, you got to see this, this, this elder brother who is the voice of hell or the voice of religion, whatever you want to call it. And he's just getting real dramatic about, he spent all your money. You do know about the prostitutes, don't you? You do know what happened. You do know what he did. And they're telling you all this stuff. And I want you to notice at the end of this passage, the father just cuts him off. God cuts him off. Watch what happens. He's whining and moaning. And uh, verse 31, the father steps in. He said, son, you're always with me. Everything I got yours. It is right that we should make merry and be glad. Your brother was dead. He's alive again. He's lost and he's found. All right, this brother who wants to criticize and complain about the past, he can't punch out the father. The father's so excited. He just gets saying, ain't it great that he's back? Ain't it great that, I'm just so happy that he's back. Ain't it great that he's back? And that's the last verse in the passage. Who had the final word? The forgiver had the final word and you need to make up your mind. He's going to have the final word in my life too. He's going to settle this issue right here. All right, I want to look at something in this verse concerning how we live and love and everything else. Verse 32 is, is the voice of God speaking. He said this, it is right that we, this is the living God and me, should make merry or celebrate and be glad. Your brother is, de- are you dead? You're alive again. Let me tell you, what do you think? You well, Brother Brown, I want to do what's right. I want to do what's right by God. What does God say is right right there? celebrate and be glad because you've been forgiven. If you want to do what's right by him, start hollering. If you want to do what's right by him, celebrate and be glad that you've been forgiven and have you a grand time. Listen, do not let your past dictate your future. There's always going to be a battle in your life over this thing. And I'm a guy who knows what it's like to need to be forgiven. Amen. Okay. Thank you. I knew I'd get amen out of that. It don't matter whether you as bad as I was or the only thing you ever did was tell a lie to your mom in the second grade. Everybody's got a past and you need to be forgiven of it. You cannot enjoy your life stumbling through the past and it's time to get over it. All right, we're going to pray for a minute and we're going to we're going to pray slow today. Here's why. If you need to be forgiven, why don't you get forgiven? I don't mean to simplify this thing, but was if you're living where that boy was living, and things are not working out in your life. I want you to, right, let me ask you a question. See if you get this from scripture. Did that father love the boy while he was still away from him? A or nay? Did he love him more after he came back home? No. He loved him just as much when he was living away from him as he did with him. But what do you see in there? No matter how much that father loved him, he couldn't be good to him until he came back home. It was the blessing of God and the great life you're looking for. It's not there because God loves you. It's there because you obey him. It's there because you come to him. He's going to love you no matter what. Listen, you give him the finger. He's going to love you. Cuss him. He'll love you. It doesn't matter. But he can only help you when you come home. And some of you need to do that today. I'm not asking you to be religious. Do I look religious to you? It's not about going to church. I don't care whether you smoke or not. Just don't breathe on me. The question is, will you come home to God? Well, you finally get tired of this lifestyle. How long are you going to keep blaming other people? How long are you going to keep saying it's their fault? Do the one thing this boy did. Stand up in front of the father and say, it's me. I have sinned. And then come home. It's that simple, dear. Life is that simple. Blessed is the man whose God is the Lord. And then he lifts every good thing you're looking for in life. All you got to do is just come home. You don't have to understand it. Just come home from your heart and let Him see that attitude. And some of you need to do that today. You need to get. Don't go out here without being forgiven. You know, why I say this to you. I love you. I don't want to see you keep bumping your head against the wall. You're going to get a sore head you keep this up. I want you to come home to God. All right, now the rest of you, some of you in here, you, 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 He's your Lord. You trust Him. But you're still struggling with mess in the past. Get over it don't you walk out that door today until you say it is forgiven, it is forgotten from heaven and I'm done with it. And you need to look yourself in the face and say, self, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. And I'll never hold this against you again. Some of you would never hold something against somebody else, but you're beating the hell out of yourself. It's time to get over it. Show yourself some mercy and extend to yourself the very forgiveness that God has forgiven you with. And enjoy, and then go eat dinner and enjoy your life. Let's do it. Father, I want to praise you and thank you so much. All of life hinges on forgiveness. The only reason we can call you our Father is because we've been forgiven. The only, the only reason we're not in a nut house somewhere is because we've experienced forgiveness and we can forgive. I want to pray for everybody in this room. If they're not forgiven by you, I pray that they would run up the white flag Father, this mess, if I'll go to church, I'll give money. That's not what you asked for. Come home and let me be your father. Follow me. Obey me. Let me run your life. Father, I just... You got the greatest life plan for every person if they would just put you in the driver's seat. I pray in Jesus' name for every person in this room. Pull over and let God take over. We're going to take a moment and let them do that, Father. I pray in Jesus' name. Folks will just humble their hearts and say ain't working out so good with me driving. Dear Jesus, I have sinned. Today I turn towards you. I don't know what it means, but I give you everything. Here's my life, Jesus. I want to follow you. And I mean it. Please forgive me. I've sinned. And I want to be forgiven. I believe you'll forgive me. And I believe you'll guide my life. I believe you'll take me to the best life possible. Ain't working out so good the way I'm doing it. Here, Jesus, take over. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Now, heart level, I'm going to follow you. You show me what to do. It's that simple, dear ones, and mean it. Now, for those of you in this room, if there's things that you still drop your head over stuff, it is time to get over it. And I want you to talk to yourself. Don't need to talk to God. You've already asked Him to forgive you. He's done it. You're the culprit here to yourself. Settle it in your heart. Today, because of that right there, I forgive me. And I'll never bring it up to me again. It's done with. I declare in Jesus' name, I forgive myself. That's over. It's in the past. And I'm done playing with it. Father, I just want to praise you and thank you so much that the mercy of God is never ending. Why would anybody suffer when they don't have to? Why would anybody be apart from you and suffer when they don't have to? And why would anybody beat themselves up? I pray in Jesus' name for people to lift their heads and celebrate, be thankful, and sing songs like amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And I give you all the praise and glory. Thank you for the forgiveness of the Father. Thank you for taking me into your family. Thank you for being good to me. I'm done pouting in my room. I'm going to come out and join the party. And I give you the praise and glory. Father, I forgot to pray for that other crowd. Might as well pray for my Pharisee friends too, my my religious friends. Get off of it. Come into the house. Let the Father be the judge and you be the celebrator. And we repent today, Father, we repent of our religious spirit that's mad because people are acting like they are. That's between you and them. My job is to celebrate your goodness. I'm not here to fuss at people. I'm here to help people. And I trust you for that. Father, Dear Father, how funny that must have looked, all that free food, all that celebrating going on, and he's sitting out in the barn mad. How goofy that must have looked. Sort of reminds me a lot of church services. In the name of Jesus, You be the judge and I'll be the celebrator from now on. Well, Father, we've taken care of everything. Those that didn't know you, those that beaten themselves up, those that are beating others up. I reckon there's nothing left to do except go eat now. Thank you for your goodness and grace and mercy. Thank you for your kindness. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray, amen.